0: Welcome to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill, and we've taken a bit of a break the past few weeks, but we are thrilled to be back because the films are getting great right now, and the wines are drinking beautifully. Aloha. Well,
2: aloha to you, and mahalo. I'm film critic Gary Cogill, and we are excited to be back because we have two new films today, including Ford vs. Ferrari, starring Matt Damon and Christian Bale as the team hired by the Ford Motor Company in the mid-1960s to build the ultimate driving machine just to try and beat the Ferraris in the famous 24 Hours of Le Mans race. Plus, Echo in the Canyon, it's a wonderful documentary about the music scene in Southern California's Laurel Canyon, also in the 1960s, that gave us the birds, the mamas and the papas, Buffalo Springfield, the Beach Boys, dozens more. It's so good. Yes. So good. It is. And
0: to pair, we'll focus on two of our favorite wineries from picturesque Willamette Valley with stories that will fit the bill and be ideal pairings as well for your upcoming holiday dinners. We'll get to why they're so perfect in a bit but gary <laughs> okay. let's talk about ford versus ferrari
2: okay i i'm just gonna drop a bomb here this is one of the best films i've seen in the last two years yeah it was great i thought it was as good or as entertaining it might not be as perfect but it's close to perfect as anything i saw all last year i mean we you know we loved *The star is born last yeah. year green book won best picture and that was kind of a surprise but this film Ford versus Ferrari, you have to just, just drive that big fat car to the yeah. movie theater and go.
0: The cinematography, the the visual effects, everything on that side is so good, but then there's also a really great story to it.
2: Yeah, there's a great these are, these are people that I'm really interested in, yeah. but walking into a movie theater I didn't know I was. Well,
0: that's I think the nice thing is, and some that we kind of been walking out of seeing this the nice thing I think about this film is that I think it will appeal to a very large audience mm-hmm. because it does have the mainstream aspect of it and the excitement and
2: and it's kind of an old-fashioned film yeah
0: and and you want to be like you want to be in that in the car with those guys but then there's also as you said a really interesting story and the character development was really really great yeah
2: it's directed by James Mangold and he did Walk the Line which Reese Witherspoon won the Oscar for he did a really good western called 310 to Yuma he did Logan Yeah, which is a really fine film, Uh, but it's about American car designer, Carol Shelby and a driver named Ken Miles, who's very famous in that world. And they're battling with corporate interference, the laws of physics, their own personal demons. They're trying to build a revolutionary race car for Ford to challenge Ferrari in that 24 Hours of Le Mans race. And it happened back in 1966. So you have Matt Damon and Christian Bale, which I think are two of the best actors on the planet.
0: Absolutely.
2: And I'm going to say as good as Christian Bale is... Matt Damon's great in this Matt film. Matt
0: Damon's so good. He's
2: so good, and he's just so determined. And yeah. you know, he's he's kind of the big time race guy in this because he's a, a car designer, and, right? And he's he quite was famous a racer, the and then
0: yeah, became a, a he, incredible. It, were, it was a very famous racer, and, right? And, and obviously, and
2: the Shelby Mustang cars were, you know, yeah. the, those became legendary. But this is before that, and then he he grabs Ken Miles, who's just. Crazy kind of unfiltered. He's totally unfiltered yeah. human being, who's got a family. His wife is played by the woman from Outland. Yeah, yeah.
0: Outlander. Which,
2: yeah, yeah. Outland. I'm sorry, Outlander. Yeah, and uh, but it's got also John Bernthal in it.
0: It was so nice to see John Bernthal Walking Clean. And, um, and as a good guy.
2: He's wearing a suit the whole movie.
0: And because and we've, the last few things, because he was in one of the, the Sicario He was riddies. in Wind
2: River. He was in Sicario. And he was a really bad guy. Oh, they're dirty you and just they're just, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I
0: was so like, yay, yeah. go and be a good guy. There's but you know
2: us. who's the bad guy in this film? Josh Lucas. <laughs>
0: well, I just think is like a romantic comedy guy. <laughs> From Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh-huh. He's like the, and I don't want to say it because he's a <laughs> wonderful actor. I don't want to call him the poor man's Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> but he <laughs> kind of plays those kind of parts sometimes. He was in a beautiful mind, which is, and he was very good in it. Uh, tr- the The performance in this film that I can't get out of my head is Tracy Letts. So, what you have is you have the Ford Motor Company run by Henry Ford the Second, yeah, yes, and uh, arrogant, huge conglomerate. Um, so many people at the top just to get to. And it, he has
0: it, lots of gatekeepers. It's
2: really a movie about high-end corporate uh, controlling corporate oh, America. Corporate America, and that all the blue-collar workers that work for everybody, uh, the the white-collar workers in the office take all the credit for, including the top of the top.
0: Pretty much like and ever.
2: It sounds like it sounds like, like kind of our government you know, right just, now. Just
0: change yes. out the change out the industry, and you pretty much have any corporate America. Well, job. Tracy
2: Letts was so good in um, um, he was in Lady Bird. He was the dad. Mm-hmm. And he's you know he wrote August Osage County the play and won the Pulitzer Prize, but he was also in the post, uh, but he's so good in this film because he plays Henry the Ford the second and there's a scene in this movie where where uh, Matt Damon takes him out in the car that they've been designing because th- here's a guy that runs the company he's Henry Ford the second, but he's never Probably been in most in of those race car. cars. Yeah, he's dr- he's driving around in limos, flying around in helicopters, completely privileged and not yeah. really a part of what's going on. Yeah. And he gets in that car and he just balls like a baby after he thinks he's probably going to die yeah. because they're going so fast. It's the coolest scene. I think he gets an Oscar nomination and could win a supporting acting Oscar. Yeah. And, but he's so good it's at It's
0: really, he just grasps this part so beautifully. He does. And, and becomes that character, and, and very unlike anything I'd seen him, in, which I also thought was.
2: It's impressive. the part that Jeff Daniels always that's, plays. As,
0: as we kind of yeah. were watching that, I'm like, gosh, that's such a Jeff Daniels it's role. It's such a Jeff Daniels role. <laughs> and Tracy Letts just nailed it.
2: This, it. Took I think took it to another level. You know, I'm going to say this about this film. I kept thinking about it watching it. I think it's so good and so perfect. It's two and a half hours long. It's James Mangold. It's the best film he's ever. It's better than Walk the Line, mm-hmm. I think. It's better than 310 to Yuma. This is a top 10 film of the year, I bet, this year. But also, um, it doesn't matter if it's about cars. It could be about baseball. It could be about any profession where you, where you have the hierarchy and the lower yeah. hierarchy. And uh, but in this case, it reminded me of the right stuff, the, the, rather than astronauts trying to you know get in these old cars and trying to make them go fast and break every rule that you can. And the, and the equipment still holds together, and they're alive. Um, that's the same true with racing in this. And you have this, I felt like I was watching Philip Kaufman's The Right Stuff, which I think is one of the best films of that decade. I I, I think this film is on the highest level. I can't wait to see it again. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm enamored with this film. Yeah. I just, I am I think she's great. I think, well, and I the, think that the kid is great the, in the film.
0: The story that that I just like and, and why it does tie in to, to just interchange the industry and you have a lot of what we see um, throughout is that... That though it's a very glamorous, you look at this, uh, the Lone Star, Le- or that the Le Mans race of France, and right. and, and you look at this very, um, it, it seems so glamorous right. and so exotic. And, you know, you have these fast cars that cost, you know, however many, you know, thousands of dollars to create and these, these glamorous drivers and all this. And at the end of the day, it's a blue collar industry,
2: mm-hmm.
0: just like, just like making wine
2: like making wine and making movies like
0: making movies yeah. like it sounds
2: had, all glabrous but it's really blue like color. yes you get yeah. to
0: go and walk red carpets and you get to you know have have fantastic events oh and, look at the
2: vineyards and, and yeah. oh
0: they're so and at the end of the day it's like the hardest work you can do and yeah. you get you're dirty and you're grubby and you're and and you do it because you love it yeah. i mean that was a nice element of this that that christian bale's character had so much humility because he realized that that though he had his own ego he had to keep it in check cuz he had a family yeah. and yeah. and at the end of the day you take care of your family and are just
2: trying to put food on the table yeah and keep it together yeah and he's crazy
0: and he's crazy and
2: he's he's kind of a genius yeah, yeah it's it's just I, I can't wait for you to go to the theater and see this
0: and so yeah. um kind of in that same note to 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 follow into our wine pairing. So, you know, we've said that the the film definitely gets your heart pumping and your energy up. And so I thought it required a racy or a racer. Are you using a metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> Lively, um, really, really luscious white wine um, that I think kind of breaks out of the norm mm-hmm. that... Um, t- kind of hope to create something that was truly unique and i'm going to pair it with david adelsheim's oh. staking claim chardonnay and i know we've talked about david and at the adelsheim winery uh, many many times on this show he is one of our favorite people in the world and one of our favorite wineries from willamette valley um but one kind of one reason that i love this wine for this story is that when when Adelsheim which is kind of one of the early guys up in Willamette Valley when and David co-founded the winery they um there there was obviously Pinot Noir they figured out Pinot was the red grape of choice they were growing Chardonnay but it just it it just wasn't Producing the kind of wines that that at least for David, what mm-hmm. he wanted to see, um, they were using the wrong kind of clones. Basically, they were using maybe more of a hot weather clone. I think it was the Wente clone, which is a California clone, and and in a in a much cooler climate. So David went to Burgundy and and you know did all of these tests and studies and brought these Dijon clones back from Burgundy to create a much more um, French style, a much crisper, a much leaner, a much more focused, a much racier um, style of Chardonnay that has now really become the norm for, uh, for Willamette Valley. Um,
2: he kind of broke the code on Chardonnay in he, Oregon.
0: He did. Yeah. And and he's so humble that he, he doesn't like to have that given to him, but I'll give it to him because he did. Mm-hmm. And and he also was one of the first guys up on Chehalem Mountain. And so to kind of celebrate the Chehalem Mountain, in particular, Tewa, that does give you this very, very um, interesting uh, layered mineral rich uh, luscious citrus filled apple you know orchard fruit filled chardonnay I think is really special and they they've just kind of the last couple of years released this staking claim I want to say maybe they started it two years ago as as this kind of his story of chardonnay and I also love it because you know Carol Shelby kind of had to Ford wanted him to do something very different and he and he kept on saying no this is what we're going to do and you have you know Ford had another team in the race and in and a whole other car that that this horrible Josh Lucas character Josh Lucas is lovely his character was just an awful person um you know basically kept on just pushing corporate this corporate Right. mandate that was just nonsense, and I liked that they were kind of defying
2: that. They were defying. They were staking claim. They
0: were staking claim on what they had the right to do. So,
2: so we have a staking claim wine, wine, and we have a staking <laughs> <and> claim movie <laughs> called Ford vs. Ferrari. It's
0: really great. That's the it. perfect pairing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> when we come back on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, a documentary that's both entertaining and enlightening, featuring the music of the Beach Boys and the great Buffalo Springfield. It's called Echo in the Canyon. It's hosted by Jacob Dylan, that's the son of Bob Dylan, And we will be right back. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. You know, that's the show that says if you can't make it to the movie theater, you can often find treasures in your own home on demand or Netflix. And that includes our next film, Echo in the Canyon. It's a wonderful documentary. It takes you on a musical journey of Laurel Canyon back in the 1960s in California at a time when folk singers finally discovered electric guitars, and it just <laughs> kind of changed everything. Yeah. It's directed by Andrew Slater, and this is his first film. I don't, don't know anything about him. It made me feel like it was really Jacob Dylan's. It's film. It's Jacob
0: Dylan's film. It was kind of yeah. his whole project, and yeah. it is on Netflix right now. I want to yeah. say it probably came out... Last week, week before last, it's very, very new because it kind of – we were – as often happens when we go to Netflix, we thought we were going to watch one thing. And it's like, ooh, what's this? Ooh, look at this. So.
2: Yeah. And you know what? I'm familiar with the Laurel Canyon. And and, lots of documentaries kind of go in and out of Southern California and when music changed. But the Beatles were so big. And then all of a sudden you had the birds in in, uh, Southern California. And they kind of changed a lot of the music scene of – being in a little coffee, smoky coffee shop mm-hmm. with your with your 12-string or your 6-string folk uh-huh. and then going full electronic and, and just kind of changing the way music. And so a lot of people took notice. And, and in the film, you have not just the Beach Boys who took notice, but you have Buffalo Springfield and you have the Mamas and the Papas. It, that was kind of the California sound at the time. But Laurel Canyon emerged as kind of this hotbed of creative... Uh, collaboration. And and Jacob Dillon pulls all these people in for interviews. You have Brian Wilson in the film. You have Ringo Starr. You have Michelle Phillips. You have Eric Clapton. You have Stephen Stills and Jackson Brown and Graham Nash and Roger McQuinn and David Crosby. But you have the final images ever of Tom Petty, who's in this film, just talking about how the birds changed everything for him. Yeah. And, you, and, uh, and then you have Nora Jones in the film. And then you have this little round table where they get together with, I think it's Beck uh-huh. and Fiona Apple and Cat Power and uh regina specter and they all sit around and kind of talk and and about the the influence on them as well and then they all perform
0: well i think that that was kind of the the catalyst of this i think it was a story that jacob dylan um of the wallflowers also um and i
2: didn't know that until you told me that he sang
0: that that, my one of my favorite songs that like marry me song yeah it's really pretty um i think it was something that influenced his life growing up with bob dylan as his father um and he was just really interested in it and so it kind of became something that okay here's my my passion project i want to understand this whole thing i want to bring these people together and 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 then it ends up that he brought these more modern day singers to sing all of this you know all these classic rock mm-hmm. songs and a big concert, and and there's a portion of that in the film as well, which is really kind of cool.
2: I think the reverence for the Beach Boys is really interesting because a lot of people feel like there's an I forget the name of the album, but the the Great Beach Boys album. They made many, but and people kept pointing towards like this album changed everything yeah. the way I thought about music because music was two minutes and fifty seconds with a with a hook. Yeah, you know they were all singles, like, and yeah. all of a sudden these kind of concept albums started. Yeah. and then the early footage of Buffalo Springfield always knocks me out i 'm always amazed at how when when they when they sing something something happened in that song mm-hmm. that when you see it back then it sounds perfect mm-hmm. it doesn't sound dated yeah. that song is transcendent. Yeah. it's one of the greatest songs I think ever written and performed but and watching, watching Roger Mcguinnon here talk about it, and Michelle Phillips just talking about. You know, the mamas mamas and the the papas papas. and how all of this kind of happened. And their sound was so pure and so good. So So you get all this old archive footage. And then you get a modern day uh, concert set staged by uh, Dylan, Uh by Jacob Dylan, of these new uh, artists singing that music. And it's fantastic. I'm just, I'm kind of enamored with this film. Isn't it cool when you see this? I think you were always a part of this music. I don't. You grew up with this music.
0: This so just kind of seeing the the again kind of those first few beats. Granted, I was born in the '70s and not the '60s. Right. But this, you know, my mom wasn't a bohemian in any way, shape, or form. But she always loved great music. And and growing up in Manhattan Beach, the like I remember listening to these albums on the eight track. <laughs> As she was making dinner and I was just dancing in the living room because I just, I love this music. I love the Mamas and the Papas. I love, granted, you know, it's kind of a group that came out of it, but I'm such a Crosby, Stills, and Nash freak.
2: Yeah, you are. And
0: we have thankfully seen them a few times, which gets to us, to our pairing well, momentarily. Let's do, that. <laughs> do you
2: have a story to tell? So
0: um, I am a a Crosby, Stills, and Nash uh, uh, freak. I adore Guinevere. It's my most favorite song of theirs um so for our pairing i'm gonna tell a little story and that is that i want to hear it so shortly after gary and i started dating and this was you know a dozen plus years ago um he wants to take little little haley up to his hometown of portland to meet his sisters and nieces and all the all the grand nieces and nephews and this whole big family so I, of course, being the planner, have to plan a lot of different things around this big family meeting just so we can have a nice little trip instead of, you know, we like to have activities. So I, you know, plan a few days in Willamette Valley because mm-hmm. it's an hour outside of Portland. It's one of the, the you know, one of our favorite places in the entire world um, to go drink really great Pinot. Uh, we have the great family gathering, and then I'm like, "Oh, well, there's in this little town, there's a concert. That, I know it's the night of when we're going to meet your family, but I think it, it should be okay because we're going to have lunch, and then yeah. we could go and, and see own. this really great concert. And it's Crosby, Stills, and Nash, I've never seen them. I've always wanted outdoors. to. And it's outdoors at."
2: McMinnimans. in Troutdale, in Oregon. In
0: Troutdale, Oregon. And I'm so excited. So Just I outside of Portland. Yeah. And it's an outdoor theater, and the whole place is kind of funky. Like, it's a beer garden, and I think they made wine, but yeah. I'm not—you know, it had lots of different options to do. But it had this really great lawn that they did these concerts, and I'm so excited. Okay, and I've got our little tickets, and I had them mailed to us because, you know, I didn't want to worry about Will call. I had them in my little hand. It said, okay, 5.30.
2: Yeah, the ticket said 5.30. The
0: ticket said 5.30. Y- you know, Sweet Gary says, oh, that's just when they open the that's doors. That's the doors they... open at 5.30. Who starts a concert at 5.30? Who starts a concert
2: at 5.30?
0: Well, it would seem... Well, so we decided to go about 7 o'clock. You know, yeah. let everybody settle in. Yeah. We, you know, avoid the lines. You know, we'll still, it's, it's, it's lawn seating, so we'll find a great spot. Surely they won't start before 730 or so. So we pull up and have to park probably as far as I have ever parked away from any concert venue I have ever gone to. Because it's the only parking left. We open the door, and I hear in the distance, very far away, Guinevere. Gary looks at me, oh, that's just the, co- that's the opening band, that's the opening I'm doing, opening a band doing a cover. <laughs> and I am just mad as all. Oh, man. <laughs> you should, yeah, Gary learned the. the unhappy there's a, there's, a, look. there's a look. There's a look. <laughs> so we um, very quickly <laughs> get to the front gate and go in there. Oh, yeah, show started at 5 30. You guys missed the first half.
2: And they take a break as we go in there.
0: And I just look at sweet Gary and I'm just. So. We that's okay. We go and we get our little seats and I send Gary to get me a drink. (laughs) Big one.
2: Go get me a big drink. (laughs) And,
0: you know, thinking he's going to come back with what every concert venue in Dallas ever did, which was he's going to bring me a big beer, not the horrible margarita and the big nasty tube or whatever that thing is. But, you know, just bring me a big beer and it'll be fine. And happily, he brought me. A delicious Oregon Pinot Noir, because it seems in Oregon, at least in Wine Country, Oregon, you can buy whole bottles of really, really, really good wine. Really good wine, rather than, <clears> than <throat> usually
2: concert venues is the worst. Yeah, wine it's like the terrible in a wine, plastic in a plastic cup. plastic
0: cup. No, it's really, really good yes. wine. and so we sit on the lawn, and happily, Crosby, Steals and Nash comes back, and they play another, you know, hour and a half, two hour set after their break, and it was a fantastic show. It was. So I have no idea what that wine was, but I do know another one of our favorite Willamette Valley Pinot Noirs that we enjoyed for the first time on that trip, and that was from Soder. Soder yes. Yeah, Soder, Soter. S-O-T-E-R. S-O-T-E-R. Tony Soder started it. He was a winemaker in um, Napa for the beginning of his career, but always had a draw to great Oregon Pinot. Um, opened Soder um, and I want to say maybe early mid mid 80s somewhere around there I'm not sure the date exactly but he's been there for for a bit and um, his Mineral Springs Ranch Pinot Noir is one of the most to me classic examples of what Oregon Pinot tastes like it's the earthiness it's the kind of forest floor truffle notes but there's also this beautiful Wild strawberry and kind of red cherry and a touch of spice, really smart use of oak um, and just a really kind of what to me the tewa of, of Willamette is. And yeah. it's always been it's one of our favorite places to taste. Um, if you do get to go taste, um, always ask for a little hint of their soda pop, which is their sparkling uh, Brut Rose wine. They don't make very much of it, but it's awesome. So if you ever get to try it, it's so delicious.
2: I think we had some magnums of that we, because the, I, I had to buy a magnum. The
0: Mineral Springs Ranch, over the years, yes. we have bought many magnums yes. of it because it is one of our favorites and, again, kind of just speaks to me of what Willamette Valley Really great Willamette Valley wine is. Yeah. So. Isn't that good stuff? Yes. And since then we have seen a whole shows from Crosby, Stills, and Nash and enjoyed them. (laughs) Enjoyed them immensely. Last
2: time we were in Dallas and the guy behind us like turns around and because he notices we're singing along, we know everything, and everybody's singing along anyway. It's Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and he taps me on his shoulder and goes, "You want to hit in my joint, man?" And I just went, "No, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm, I'm really okay. Maybe later." I don't know.
0: That's awesome.
2: Yeah. Got any gummy bears?
0: (laughs) Okay. So so let's talk
2: Thanksgiving a little bit. Okay. Because isn't that a good Thanksgiving wine?
0: It's a perfect Thanksgiving wine. I think both of these, like my go-tos quite often... Uh, there are a lot of different options for, for Thanksgiving. Obviously there are, you know, thousands of bottles of wine in the world. You want to mainly go for something that's not going to weigh you down. So you want something that has great acidity, which is great freshness. You don't want a a high alcohol wine. You, you don't want to, I mean, to me, like a, a 15 and a half percent, Alcohol Zinfandel yeah. or a fourteen, nine percent Cabernet is yeah. not your Thanksgiving wine. You'll be on the couch. Well, it's you it's such a heavy Meal and often there's there's grazing during football games and then yeah. sitting down and having you know big you're gonna yeah you're gonna be out your palate's gonna be shot you'll be
2: the drunk uncle
0: well and that's not be. the but maybe you want to be so I guess that's a whole different take on things yeah but this
2: this Pinot that you just talked about this Soder Pinot is the so soder spring the Springs.
0: Adelsheim Chardonnay I yeah. think both of them are really really uh, will keep your palate refreshed. And pair also really perfectly with, you know, a, a, give me a, a roast bird and a great Chardonnay or a yep. great Pinot any day. And I'm
2: happy. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone.
0: Happy Thanksgiving.
2: Next time on Cogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. And I can't wait to see this film. Also, that's a film by Marielle Heller, who directed Melissa McCarthy to an os- uh, Melissa McCarthy to an Oscar nomination last year in that little obscure film that was so good called "Can You Ever Forgive Me," and in a new uh, kind of thriller comedy called "Knives Out," starring Daniel Craig and Jamie Lee Curtis, and it's directed by Star Wars director Ryan Johnson, and it's getting rave reviews. I can't too. wait to see. So that. we got two big films that's coming. Awesome. Up. Yeah.
0: But for more on the wines and films from today, follow our blog on cogleywineandfilm or through Facebook. Follow. Good Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill, and to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked, and via my website, redwinewithbreakfast.com.
2: And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and I'm always looking for the next great film.
0: I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine.
2: Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.
0: Aloha.